I on? You green? I'm green. All right. Well, I need this. Oh, that's a good song. It's just a, a spiritual yummy. You guys ever heard that? It just makes you want to go, hmm. It's a, it's a yummy. It feeds the soul. And uh, yeah, I love, I love those old hymns. I kind of grew up on those, and they just they hit me when they come back. So, good choice. Anyway, uh, yeah, thanks for having me. Um, Will kind of introduced me a little bit earlier. Uh, I'm Jordan. I work with international students, and it's just a privilege to be able to talk with you guys today. And there's a, a lot of great things that I do with internationals, and I'm not going to talk a lot about that right now, um, but I'll let you know. If you want to come talk to me afterwards, I'll, I'll even have a sign-up for a newsletter where you guys can see my website and kind of learn more about what I do, and I'll be at the first steps table afterwards. Um, but Will did mention I, I served quite a bit of time overseas. Um, it was all in Muslim countries, and so I worked a lot with Muslims, and that's kind of, I still work with, a lot with Muslims, but I work a lot with all international students across the city. And um, it's really cool though, I don't know if any of you know this, but the, the biggest Muslim holiday of the year is tomorrow. It begins tomorrow. It's called Eid al-Adha. Has anybody ever heard of that? Oh, awesome. Well, we live in Bay Ridge, right? You shouldn't hear of it. So that's great that you guys know it. Um, if you got neighbors, just say Eid Mubarak to them. It just means like happy holidays. Um, but it's just a great way to start a conversation. It's a little side note, but um, it's such a great way um, to get to know your neighbors is to talk with them about holidays. Um, and this holiday in particular is wonderful. Maybe some of you know what the holiday's about. But um, Eid al-Adha actually means the sacrifice holiday. Um, and so it's all about sacrifice. In fact, they're celebrating Abraham sacrificing his son, a story we're pretty familiar with in the Bible. Now, there's a few differences, uh, and we don't need to, to go into those differences too much um, when talking about it. Uh, it's not worth debating. And we're going we're gonna to hit on that story and some others. But... It, it's all about sacrifice. And so, in light of that, that's kind of what I'm going to talk about today, is the idea of sacrifice. And we're going to go ahead and we're going to look at Scripture. Um, if you guys would join me, you can look at John 1, 29-30, and then we're going to also look at 35 and 37. So, oh, and by the way, we're, just, we're going to do a big overview of stuff today. We're not going to dig too, too deep into any one thing. But we're kind of doing a, a fly-through of a lot of stuff. So if I'm going fast, just keep up with me. I hope it all makes sense. But this is what John 1 says. The next day, Jesus saw, or wait, sorry. The next day he saw, this is John, John the Baptist. He saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is whom I said, After me comes a man who reigns before me, because he was before me. The next day, John was standing with two of his disciples, and he looked, and Jesus looked at Jesus, and as he walked by, he said, Behold the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard this, and they followed Jesus. All right, let's just recap what's going on here. So, John is kind of a big deal at this point. If you know anything about some of that early history, 
Jesus wasn't really known yet, but John the Baptist was, was kind of the, the well-known street preacher of the day. He was out in the wilderness, and people were coming all around to hear him. In, in fact, he had disciples just like Jesus had disciples. And these guys would follow him around and listen to him teach. And, and so you've got this, this well-known preacher, teacher, and he sees this guy relatively unknown walk by. And he says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And of course, his disciples are probably thinking, what is going on with this? Why is he pointing out this guy? And then, the next day, Jesus walks by again, and John looks at him and he says, Behold, the Lamb of God. Now, this was enough to make two of his disciples go run after Jesus. We know one of them was Andrew, the other one's not named, but um, a lot of people actually think it was John, the author of the book, but doesn't really matter who it is. They ran after Jesus. So imagine if Will was preaching next week or in a couple of weeks, and he's like, behold the muskrat of God, or behold the camel of God. Would any of you go chase after that person? I, I hope not. Um, it'd be kind of weird. But for some reason, these two disciples decide it's worth going and chasing after this guy. It's worth discovering who this guy is. It's because there's a whole lot more to the story. There's a whole lot more about the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And so we're going we're gonna to jump through and look at that. Because this is what they would know. They were good Jewish men who grew up learning their Bible. And what was their Bible? It was the Old Testament. And so, right at the, the beginning of the scripture, we see the first reference to an idea of some sort of lamb. It's all the way back at Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve were chilling in the garden, and we all know they, they messed up and they sinned. And God said some things to them. But do you remember what they did immediately when they, when they realized they were naked? They made some clothes for themselves, right? They got some, some leaves and they put it together, and then God talks to them, and he, he speaks some prophecy, he talks about the Messiah, and um, about somebody crushing the snake's head. You guys remember that? But the one thing he does right after he tells them this prophecy is he actually, he, he kills an animal, and he makes clothes for them. He covers their shame because their covering was not good enough. And this is actually the first sacrifice we see in all of Scripture. And we, we see that God actually performed the first sacrifice. I mean, he covered the shame of Adam and Eve with that sacrifice. And we see a pattern begins to develop all throughout Scripture. In fact, the next story we see in the Bible is of Cain and Abel. And if you know the story of Cain and Abel, they're two brothers, and they're, they kind of compete, but they're both bringing sacrifices to God. And God likes one and he doesn't like the other. And, um, but we knew that this pattern of sacrifice starts get going, right? And then we also see characters like Noah create a sacrifice right after, um, right after he's saved from the flood. So all these stories of sacrifice, and there's this rich history before any of the Bible is actually written, right? This is all recorded history, recorded by Moses. And Moses put that stuff in there for a very particular reason. Because a lot of what Moses was doing was talking about sacrifice. 
But there's one particular story that Moses included in there that has a lot of depth. And that's the story of Edel and Ha with Abraham. And so we see the story of Abraham. We see him taking his son, his promised son, right? It's Isaac. We know that. Muslims will argue it's Ishmael. And if you're talking about it, don't get into that argument. It's not worth it. In fact, I talk about Muslims with this story all the time. And I tell them it doesn't matter if it's Isaac or Ishmael. Not that it's completely unimportant. It's just not the most important part of the story. The most important part of the story is not who, which son it was. It's what happens. As Abraham and his son go up that mountain, and he's about to kill his son, whom he loves. Right? I don't think any of us would ever want God to ask us to take our child up that mountain to sacrifice them. And right as he's about, right, the Bible even says he's got his knife over the head and he's ready to come down on his son. God stops him. God provides him a lamb. He, he provides him a ram that's stuck in the bush, and Abraham sacrifices that instead. The most important character in that story is the ram. It's the lamb. And how do I know this? It's because if you actually look at that story, it's, it's found in Genesis 22. Abraham names that place. Abraham says, this place will be called, the Lord will provide. Yeah. What did the Lord provide? The Lord provided a substitute. One lamb for one son. It took his place. That's good. So this is, this is a great story, and that's what that, that story is all about. If you're talking with your Muslim friends, talk about that. One lamb for one son. It's a sacrifice. It's a substitute. Well, as I said, this was recorded by Moses. Well, now that mic went off. Thank you, Becca. All right. Don't know why that happened, but I just won't touch it. Um, so this was recorded by Moses, right? He wrote the Torah. It's the first five books of the Old Testament. And you see, he's recording these stories because there's some really important stuff that happens in his life. Now, if you guys remember the story of Moses, he was the prince of Egypt, right? Anybody see that movie? No? <laughs> um, he was the prince of Egypt. And lots happened, you know, he, he ran out of Egypt, he ran away, and he was in the wilderness, and he came back to rescue them, to bring them out of slavery. Well, Moses um, had, or brought ten plagues before Pharaoh. Remember that? God brought ten plagues through Moses, right? Well, the first nine we can look at, but we're not going to actually do that. We're going to talk about the tenth one. The tenth one was a really important plague, and it's still celebrated um, by, by Jewish folks today. It's called the Passover. Now, if you remember what happened in this Passover. All right. Back up. Hello? Hello? All right, I think we're back. Brian was coming to help. But if you remember what happened in the Passover, God told them to sacrifice a lamb. Each family or each group of people were to sacrifice a lamb. 
and then paint the blood on the door. And then when God saw the lamb, or the blood on the door, he would pass over each house, preventing that family from, from getting the punishment of God. The punishment of God was that the firstborn son would die. Right? And this is justified because if you remember the story of Moses, all the, all the Jewish children were being killed. And so God was bringing back the very punishment on the Egyptians that they had dealt out on the, on the Jewish children. Anyway, when, when the, God saw the blood, he passed over. And so here was every family or group of families would come together and they would sacrifice a lamb. And so we see in this story that one lamb actually now covers one family. Not just one person, as in the story of Abraham, but one whole family is actually covered by the lamb. Hmm. And so God's punishment is passing over every family, or sometimes even groups of families, if they were too poor. Next we see God leads the people out of, Egypt, or out of Egypt, and they're in the desert, and God's giving them all sorts of rules. And part of these rules are all about sacrifice. But there's one specific sacrifice, which is the most important sacrifice for Jews today. And it was the most important for them there, too. It's called Yom Kippur, or the Day of Atonement. And on this day, God would actually ask the people to take two goats. And one goat, they were symbolically laying their hands on the head and putting all the sins on the goat. And then they would send that goat away. And the other goat they would take, and they would sacrifice it for their sins to make atonement. Right? That's why it's called the Day of Atonement. To make atonement for their sins. And this was supposed to cover all the sins of all the nation once a year. So not only do we see this, this sacrifice idea growing, right? It goes from Abraham with one person to the Passover with one family and now to one nation on the day of Yom Kippur. We're seeing it also cover a greater amount of time. It's covering the entire year. So God gives Moses these rules and, and people actually practice this. Sometimes not perfectly, sometimes not every year. But we see over the next 1,500 years that they're pretty consistently practicing these holidays and doing these sacrifices. And there's prophecies and other things about somebody who would come and be the ultimate sacrifice. So when we get back to John the Baptist, and John is saying to the people, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, there's something that clicked with the followers. There's something that they, they understood this idea of a lamb. And now it's not just for one person or for one family or for one nation, but the whole world. We got to learn about this. That's why they go run after Jesus. And that's exactly what John wanted them to do. John wanted them to go after Jesus. That's what his mission was. In fact, multiple times, he says, I must increase, or he must increase, but I must decrease. He who comes after me ranks before me. 
He even says he's not worthy to untie the straps of Jesus' sandals. John wanted people, when they thought of him, to think of Jesus. John was essentially this guy. You guys know who Bill Conti is? Anybody? Wow, one. All right. Don't ruin it. Uh, John was essentially Bill Conti. Now, I can pretty much guarantee most of you know something about Bill Conti. Tell me if you recognize this. Who knows what that is? Just say it. Rocky. Exactly. It's the theme song to Rocky. Bill Conti wrote that. But when you hear that song, do you think Bill Conti? No. No, of course not. Who do you think of? You think of Rocky, right? That's exactly what John wanted to be. John wanted to be the theme song to Jesus. When people think of John the Baptist, he wanted them to think, behold the Lamb of God. That's good. That's what his mission was. That's what his purpose was. To tell people, behold the Lamb of God. In fact, that's what all the Bible is telling us to do. It's always telling us to behold the Lamb of God. It's one big theme song for Jesus. In fact, we mentioned these stories. Behold Jesus, the Lamb, who is the substitute for Isaac and is a substitute sacrifice for us all. Behold Jesus, the Passover Lamb. That's right whose death causes the punishment of God to pass over us all. Behold Jesus, the sacrificial lamb that makes atonement for the sin, not just of one person or one family or one nation, but for the whole world. That's good. Behold the lamb of God. Amen. That's what John's life was all about. That's what the Bible is all about. And that's actually what our lives should be all about too. Our lives should be a theme song that talks about, behold the Lamb of God. When people think of us, they should think of Jesus. Now, this all sounds great, but it's, if you think about it, we, we have lots of other things that we, we do in our lives. We work, we, we go to school. You know, it's, it's sometimes hard to always be that, behold the Lamb of God. We're not all street, street preachers, right? We're not, that's not our, all of our jobs. But I want to talk about how we can, in our lives, tell others to behold the Lamb of God. And we're going to do a quick overview of this, but um, the idea is, is that all of us are called to be witnesses to Christ. And that, this is just a little exercise that I like to do when I need to remind myself of things. If you think about our purpose for life in relation to God, right? What is it? We're, we're called to worship God, to love God, to obey God, right? There's, those are the things we're kind of called to do. So if you die tomorrow and go to heaven, are you going to be able to love God more purely? Are you going to be able to worship Him more fully? Are you going to know Him more deeply? The answer is yes. Being in His presence allows you to do all those things better. There's one thing God calls us to do that we can't do better than in His presence when we are in heaven. And that's tell others to behold the Lamb of God. Our purpose as Christians is to call others to Christ. And that's such an awesome thing that God chooses to use us in, in His work. 
And so I challenge you guys to be thinking through that. Like, how can I call people to behold the Lamb of God? Well, I'm going to give you guys two secrets. There's two things that you can do to help others know Christ. The first one is that anyone can do it. Anyone can share and it's not about some special formula that you gotta know, like, you know, oh, I'm gonna take you through this thing or this thing. It's actually about a formation. It's not a formula, it's a formation. Romans 8.29 says, we are being conformed to the image of Christ. What does it mean to be conformed to the image of Christ? Really, it's, it's knowing Jesus. It's knowing the story. It's digging deep into the richness that is Jesus Christ. It's continually beholding the Lamb of God in your own life. Thinking through, how can I know Jesus more today? How can I love him more today? How can I worship him more today? Behold him. He's what the whole Bible is about. It's continually. Be focused on Jesus. The second thing that you can do is just share. It's pretty simple. It's there's no there's no special words you need to say. In fact, I I did a little research for this. I learned that 90% of Americans, in a, a poll done in 2018, 90% of Americans believe in some sort of higher power. That means 90% of the people you would talk to would say, yeah, I believe in some sort of God. Let's talk about it. People will talk about it. People are fascinated by Jesus. Now, when I say this, this doesn't mean that you need to say, behold my church. Or behold Will, he's a great pastor. Or behold, look how good I am. It's always going back to Jesus. Behold Jesus. Behold the Lamb of God. So when you're talking about it with people, talk about Jesus. You don't need to talk about, oh, they might try to get you on, oh, what do you think about this or this or this? It always just comes back to Jesus. You know, tell, tell a story, tell a parable Jesus told. Or, you know, tell, tell a story Jesus told about or something Jesus did in his life. Look at the woman at the well. Right? You guys know that story? The woman at the well? Read your Bible. You'll discover it. <laughs> I don't have time to go into it now. But that's a great story for people to behold Jesus. That's right. Tell stories about Jesus. Tell people about what he's done in your life. But keep it on Jesus. All your stories can be told with Jesus as the main character. And think through how you can do that. And, and if you want to talk more about that, we can talk afterwards. But think through that. This is, this is great. In Romans 10, 14, it says this. How then are they to call on him whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? All of us are supposed to be preaching. How does your neighbor know about Jesus unless you're willing to cross the hall and talk to him? We know that when this is written, Paul also wants us 
to keep it on Jesus. When he talks about how are they to know unless somebody is not preaching, we know that he wants us to talk about Jesus, and this is why. 1 Corinthians 15, 3 through 4 says this, For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins, accordance with the scripture, that he was buried and raised on the third day in accordance with the scripture. Paul says, this is the most important thing for anyone to hear. Yeah. This is the first thing I tell them. I tell them Jesus yeah. is the Lamb of God who took away the sins of the world. Yeah. Paul is saying, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. That's all you got to do yeah. is continually go back to Jesus and tell them, here is the Lamb of God who took away the sins of the world. And here's how I know all of you can do it. I'm going to tell you a little story about how you can make sure your life follows Jesus and says, behold Jesus. Because I've seen it done with people in the craziest places who aren't even Christians. When I served overseas in the Middle East, I, I got to share a lot. And it was fun. And I had one friend in particular, a guy named Abdullah. Now, Abdullah was a, an interesting character. We, we actually had a nickname for him, Abdullah Kabili. Because Abdullah is a, a really common name there. So Abdullah Kabili pretty much meant like Abdullah the redneck. That's a, the best way to translate it. Now, this is kind of like, you know, if you know some people who are like really proud of being rednecks, that's kind of what it's like over there, right? He was from a village and he was really proud to be called Abdullah Kabili. But people from the city where I lived, it was, you know, several million people, were kind of like, oh, those villagers, right? And it was kind of, so it's kind of a, a good translation. Um, it's kind of, think about a redneck. So, you know, people don't think he's very educated. People don't think he's, he's very smart. Um, he talked with a little bit of an accent, you know, kind of all that rolled in. And I've been sharing Christ with him. Well, one day we were on campus and we were sitting near the cafeteria. It was actually outside. Their cafeteria was really small and they had about 10 tables outside. And we're sitting and we're talking and we're eating our lunch. And over walks a mullah. Now, a mullah is a religious teacher. He was a, a Muslim teacher. He had the long beard and he was wearing all the stuff, you know, kind of, kind of somebody who you'd look at and be like, oh, what's going to happen here, you know? Well, he walks over, and because he sees me, and he wants to talk to the foreigner. And his goal is to convert me to Islam. That's what he wants to do. And you know what? I respect that, because he's genuine about his faith. That's right. So he comes talking to me, and, you know, my Arabic was not great. Um, so Abdullah started translating for us. And as we're talking with Abdullah translating, a crowd of students start gathering around. About 15 to 20 students um, are around us, and they're listening in, and they're hearing our conversation. And pretty soon, Abdullah just starts going off. He quits translating, and he's just sharing the gospel on his own, because he had heard it. He started beholding Jesus in our conversations and started becoming enamored with who Jesus was. And he wanted to express that to others, even though he didn't fully believe in that at that time. He just wanted to talk about what he was learning. It's kind of like 
a movie that you see and you want to talk about it, or, or a sport that you love and you want to talk about it, or a really good meal, right? A spiritual yummy. You want to talk about it, right? Well, Abdullah wanted to talk about Jesus. And so he was doing that, and he was doing it not in the safest place around the safest people. In fact, what happened as he was sharing about Jesus to this mullah, and this crowd of students had gathered, one of the students speaks up and says, what he believes is better than what we do. Now this caused a little bit of an uproar, but I believe that student spoke what was in the hearts of most of those students there. Because Jesus is attractive. He's compelling. He's far better than church. He's far better than you. People want to know Jesus. And if your life can point and say, behold the Lamb of God, people will be attracted to that. If your words can speak, behold the Lamb of God, people will want to talk to you. I know this because that's what I do for a living, and people want to talk about it. If they didn't, I wouldn't have a job. It's true. I wouldn't. But people do. Most people want to talk about this. You just have to be willing to take that first step. And if Abdullah could take that step, I know all of you can too. It's like I said, Abdullah was not a Christian. But he was enamored with Jesus. Because his life was starting to be about beholding Jesus. And it just came out that he wanted to speak about it. So, we finish every Sunday with the Great Commission. Go and make disciples of all nations. And we're going to say it in a little bit here. But that's really what you got to do. To go and make disciples all begins with going and saying, Behold the Lamb of God. So I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray for all of us that this week we would do two things. We would behold the Lamb of God and that others around us would hear from our mouths the whole plan of God. All right? Lord, thank you so much. Thank you for this day. Thank you for a day that we can gather and we can worship and we can just be filled with your goodness. Thank you that we can sing your praises. Thank you that we can gather as believers safely in this place. Lord, I pray that everything we do here would cause us to behold you. And I ask that this week, all of us would behold you. That we would see you, that we would meet with you. And that that would cause us to talk about you with others. Thank you for working in us. And thank you for giving us Jesus the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Amen.